Where do we go? This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians. Brought to you by Advent Health. With the support of world-class expertise and whole-person care, it's time to feel whole with Advent Health. To learn more, visit adventhealth.com. Now your host, Bucs team reporter Casey Phillips, along with head coach Bruce Arians. That was quite a fun and stressful game, I imagine. Is that about sum it up for you? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's always 60 minutes. And uh, I thought this time we played the last five really, really well. That's huge. And and for you, I mean, to, to hang 55 on a team that was in the Super Bowl last year and, and is a defense captained by somebody like Wade Phillips, I mean, that's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, I thought our offensive staff had a, did a heck of a job. I mean, Harold Goodwin and Joe Gilbert did a great job of game planning how to block Aaron Donald. And uh, he really wasn't a factor. We ran the ball well. I thought Jameis had a heck of a ball game and can't say enough about Chris Godwin. Yeah, I, I can imagine there's going to be some other people around the league wanting to see how you guys contained Aaron Donald like that. That seems like some, some information that is, uh, is, is hard to come by. And I, I feel like that one of the biggest storylines from the game was the idea of how, you know, last week you guys had the big lead and, and weren't able to finish it out. And then this time you guys were able to make the plays necessary to come out with the W. What felt different out there in terms of the way the team handled having a big lead? Well, I think just having been through one of those games, you learn from it. And, uh, you know, our guys at halftime were, were really focused. Um, things didn't always go good in the second half, but our offense kept bouncing back, bouncing back and scoring points. Then we get the big turnover uh, defensively, set up four touchdowns. So it was a great team win. How much harder is that on the road even when momentum can really feel like a, a big thing? There were times that it, you could feel the crowd get into it, and it can feel like those moments where you feel like this is sort of what it hinges on. Yeah, I, th- I thought our team really showed its resiliency after the interception for a touchdown. It was 45-40, and we'd go right back down the field and get a big field goal. Yeah, that's that's huge for sure. And I know one game, we always say it's just one game, and it, it counts the same no matter what, but it's amazing how different one and three and two and two can sound. Oh, yeah, and, and to win a game against that opponent on the road for a young team, there are certain wins that mean more to them uh, as far as their belief in each other. And, and the system and everything else, uh, those can go a long way. How have you seen them buy into the system and each other so far? Uh, it's been fantastic. I mean, just the, the ebb and flow of the game, defense, getting turnovers, offense, turning them into touchdowns. And uh, that's what good teams do. And uh, to see it just snowball, that start, that 21 nothing start, uh, after that last week's loss, I thought was was our guys really showed up for work on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday last week. They were, they were pissed about losing that ball game. Which is exactly what you want, I'm mm-hmm. sure. So do you think it's actually sort of helpful when maybe one side of the ball can carry the team one game and then you have the other side carry it another where it's not one side always being asked to win the game to help with the whole team? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. You know, when, when you, the word team doesn't say offense, defense, or special teams. It says team. And right. uh, when you have a team win like this, it, it's great for you. And, I mean, you guys have had to go against Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, and Saquon Barkley three in a row. That should just not be allowed. That's just mean. But then, man... You guys have handled it pretty dang yeah, well. I don't know the exact statistics, but it's, it's like 69 yards of, of, of rushing against those three guys. And Todd Bowles did a great job, and our front seven has been very, very physical. Um, we can play the pass better, but nobody's going to run the ball on us right now. How similar was it the way you were trying to stop each of those three guys? Because while they're three of potentially the best in the league, they're not necessarily the same Yeah, they're, they're all very, very different and different style runners, different offenses. Um, Todd came up with a great front last week that he put in to stop the run. The first play of the game, they saw it and like, uh-oh, yeah. we're in trouble. So it was 
I don't know if I've ever seen anybody attempt that many passes, but I know this, I've never lost anybody attempting that many passes. Yeah, yeah that's a really great point. And, and speaking of that, how do you rate what you guys were able to do on defense? Because I think it's a, it's a very confusing game. And, and, and Shaq Barrett actually talked about this after the game, how everybody was saying, man, you guys got all this pressure and you got the four turnovers. And he's like, but we let them score 40-plus points. We gave up, you know, Jared Goff is throwing for 500,000 yards. And yeah. So how do you rate what the team did on defense? Well, I, I go by the turnovers and scores and setting up scores. We scored on defense, we set up four scores. So that's hard to lose. You go out on the road and you're, you're plus three in a turnover battle and you're scoring touchdowns off those turnovers. That's, that's a great recipe. Yeah, and, and speaking of Shaq Barrett, I'm going to clearly be having to ask you about him every single week, and I'm sure you're probably not going to get tired of talking about no, him. No, no, he's just, you know, he was so close a couple of times. I, I, he got blocked in the back twice and, uh, and, and didn't, or would have had sacks, but that, that last one was huge. And they're going to have to start doing things like that to him to stop him, it looks like. Well, yeah, no, and, and again, Larry Foote did a great job of switching from left to right. And uh, uh, and some other guys, Vita had a really good inside pass rush. Uh, Will Golson has some really good, we had some really good pass rush up the middle to push him out to him. That's huge. And yeah, I think a lot of times we don't even always see that if we see that, you know, if Shaq gets a, a sack or something, you don't realize how many other people had to be involved in that. Yeah, it was more than a sack. It was an interception, a cause fumble. I mean, he, he had to drive back. He did it all. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he getting, he's getting a hat trick out there. And how excited were you for uh, Sue that he got a chance to get that, that clinching score against his Yeah, party? I'm still trying to get the GPS numbers, how fast he was running. Yeah, I think they was, said something like 18-something He had another that gear. Way? That was awesome. That yeah, was big, big man really running big for him. Really big for him, especially out there after being on that team. And uh, I, know, I know it meant a bunch to him. Is that something you guys kind of think about as coaches when you know there may be certain teams or games that will mean something significant to a player? Yeah, sometimes you have to watch because guys get overhyped. Yeah. You know, Sue's not one of those guys, but uh, he did have a, a different edge about him. Yeah, which, I mean, he's already got an edge, so that, <laughs> yeah. that creates quite an edge there. Um, and Jordan Whitehead got his first ever career interception. You know, what did you see from that play and then overall just what well, he's Well, he wasn't a running back, that's for sure, yeah. because he didn't follow his blockers. But it was, it was a great Tip ball again, uh, I believe it was Shaq, and uh, he found the ball, and uh, just follow your blockers next time. You might go to the end zone. Yeah, <laughs> this is the message. This is what I love about coaches is even though you did something good, there's always something you can do better. Overall, what have you seen from his play this year? He's been very productive, very productive, and uh, he, can, he can still get better, um, but uh, he's been productive in every game. And I know the defensive backs overall last game, you weren't as pleased with their performance. How did you rate what they were able to do this week? What were some things that it seemed like they did take from last week and learn? Yeah, I thought they played better. I thought we did give up a bunch of yards, but when they throw the ball 70 times, you're going to give up some passing plays, So against, especially against those guys. But I thought we tackled really well after the catch except one time. Mm. And Levante David, also one of the people who got a, a turnover, and he's a guy that Bucks fans have gotten to see be so good at forcing fumbles and, and interceptions, and he hasn't gotten necessarily some of the Pro Bowl recognition because of the type of position he was playing, but explain how good he is at some of those big major moments. Oh, yeah, because he's, he's, he's got that nose for the football. So he's, he's, he's always hitting the ball when he's tackling it. He's a sure tackler, but he's, he's got his, something on the ball every time. And he's got great hands for a linebacker. And i got to give MJ Stewart a little credit. He, he played that slant hard, made Goff hold it just a tick longer, and Levante made a great interception. And Chris Godwin, that first half, holy cow. I mean, the, did the playbook just say Chris Godwin all over it? Well, you know, I didn't even know if Chris was going to play. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was really hurting last week. And uh, he sucked it up. And you know, when people are going to double Mike, uh, which they, they just said, hey, we're doubling Mike Evans, then somebody's going to step up. Mm -hmm. You know, we had OJ in the middle. Justin Watson got in there, got one in the middle. But Chris had that big, big game.
Yeah, and you did have some of your wide receivers that haven't gotten as much action get in there a little bit more. You know, guys like Justin Watson, even Scotty Miller was in there a little bit. What did you see from them, and were they able to well, execute? It was a shame, Scotty. Scotty should have had his first touchdown, and and Jameis got hit right when he was letting it go because he he split double coverage on on the backside, and uh, he's growing and growing as a player. He's playing fast. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. So I know that you always talk about how much you pride your staff and team on the idea of it being a family. And Jason Light's father passed the day before the game, and I know that had to be incredibly hard, and you're very close with him as well. So what was that whole experience like for you guys yeah, to find out? Yeah, it was really tough. We were sitting there watching college football, having lunch, and um, and you, you get that call. I've gotten that call. And I saw the look on his face that something was really bad. Yeah. Um, you know, he came back, came back in and told us that his dad had had a heart attack, and we later found out he passed away later. And um, it, it meant so much to be able to give him that game ball. Yeah, that's huge. And did you were you thinking about that going into the game even, of, of that being an extra motivation No, too? it was just one of those things. And, and Mike Greenberg said, hey, let's get Jason on FaceTime. I said, get him on FaceTime, time and this will be awesome for him and the family. And, uh, and the guys just rallied in the locker room. I wish we had a bigger locker room. That thing was terrible. But uh, to, to really appreciate it more and then going around to each guy, it was, it was really touching. That's incredible. And, and you could tell, I'm sure, that it, that it meant a lot to him as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for you, why is the family atmosphere of, of your team and staff so important to you? Well, I, I think when you're in this game, this is a very tough business. And uh, it only takes one or two splinters to break the whole thing apart. Mm. And uh, you, you have to be together all the time because things are gonna go bad. And, and you stick together and you fight through it just like you know, from the Giants game to this game. And now we have to learn how to handle success. Uh, so this will be another learning experience for right. us. But it, family is, is with this thing, building relationships is real. I'm, that's the only reason I coach, mm. is to, to, I think it's something I'm decent at and, and building relationships and building trust. Yeah, I, I actually saw a really great example of that. Actually, right after the game, everybody's coming up the tunnel, and Jack Sitchi was there, and obviously incredibly emotional and upset about the fact that he was injured. And I saw you go over and you know give him a hug and, and talk to him, and it made me think of is it the Bear Bryant phrase of what you've talked about for, for people coach who don't him, know? Coach him hard and hug him later. Exactly. I was like, well, there you go. We had the exact example of that. And what is it like when you have a player or someone you know have a moment like that? What is it that you're trying to convey and say? And what is your role as a head coach in those it's moments? It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right, and uh, you know I think we've got good prognosis for Jack. Hopefully, it's just going to be a couple of weeks, good. and and get him back out there because he's doing a great job on the special team. Now going up against New Orleans, got the last division game on the road. I know this would be another huge one to get to to start off this series of road games. So. Right. What is it for you that, that you look at it, this game of overall? You know, I mean, of course, Bridgewater versus Breeze. A lot of people wrote them off when Breeze goes down. That you just think, that's it, oh my gosh. But they seem very much built to withstand that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean's done a great job. Sean Payton's done a great job of having that quarter room, quarterback room set just in case and, and re-signing Teddy Bridgewater, who I think is a heck of a player. Uh, and then the way they use Taysom Hill, I mean, it's, it's tough. It, Sean's a great offensive mind. It'll be a huge challenge for us. But again, it's a big division game. Gives us a chance to get in first place. Yeah, I mean, what would that mean to the team at this point in the season to, to be at 3-2 and two and to have gotten two division road wins? Oh, I don't think there could be anything bigger. You know, to have three road wins total but two in the division, uh, th that would be great for us. And you, you mentioned Taysom Hill. How have you seen them use him and... and what do you think of that concept, that position, and, and the ways that that could be effective? Oh, it's very, very creative because you don't know if he's playing tight end. You don't know if he's wide receiver. All of a sudden, he's a quarterback and then running the option. But he can throw the football. 
So uh, he's a dangerous weapon. What does that do to our defense when they have somebody like that, whether it's him or another team that uses somebody like that? What, what all does that make you have to worry about? Well, you have to be very, very aware. When he, when he crosses the sidelines and gets on the field, you've got to know where he's at at all times. And Bridgewater, if, if he's the one that, that's out there, I know Breeze keeps talking about how he's going to try to beat that timetable, but assuming that it is Bridgewater that's out there, what have you seen from him and, and the type of quarterback that he is, especially compared to Drew Breeze? What are the, the pros and cons of, of each of them being out there? Well, Drew's been in that system so long that you're not going to fool Drew Breeze. I mean, Teddy's not been in at that long, but again, he's a very, very bright guy. He's a pocket passer who's got some mobility. So you, do, you got the bootlegs and some things, but he's, you pretty much know he's going to be in the middle of that pocket. For us, again, it's going to start with stopping Alvin Kamara. Right, yeah, so I was going to say that they, it's not like they don't have other weapons, of course. So Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, guys like that, who are some of the other guys and what are the big things that you have to be aware of? Well, Teddy Ginn taking the top off, but uh, you know, it all starts with Alvin because he is one of those backs that's a great receiver. So you can split him out, you put him in the backfield, jet sweeps, reverses, all the things that they, they do creatively with him. But then Michael Thomas on third down and, and moving the chains. He's the chain mover. And again, we're just continuing the streak of you guys having to go against these amazing running backs. So what are the things that have worked these last few weeks that you feel like would also potentially work with, with Alvin? And what are the things about him that might be different than the other three guys? Well, for us, it's tackling. We've been doing a very, very good job of the front seven of tackling. And, uh, you know, we, we let Gurley get out one time and, and, and miss two tackles on him. But... Um, Tackling well and then playing him out in space mm. in man-to-man -man or zone. And how do you feel like our, we've talked a lot about now the Saints offense, looking at their defense, how well does our offense match up with them or where are some of the places that we might be able to take advantage? Well, I don't think Mike will see double coverage all the time. I think you know, they've got some young corners and, uh, and a safety back there that, that are really good ball hawks, but I think they'll play more man-to-man -man than, than we saw last week. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, I like our matchups. The dome is very, very loud. We got to block Cam Jordan, uh, so th and they do have a lot of blitzes, a lot of pressures. Uh, handling the noise um, will be critical for our offensive line. Yeah, you actually you mentioned last week how you guys do pipe in crowd noise typically every week at practice. Is that going to be even more of something you emphasize this week of making sure that you know the guys are you know you're testing your calls and signals and making sure the offensive line is good? Yeah, we'll turn it up even a little bit louder this week because I don't know if there's any place louder than the dome. And uh, so yeah, if Thursdays and Fridays, we're, whether we're home, it's our defense, and we're on the road, it's our offense. Um, do you feel like it is one of the hardest places to play? You said it's one of the loudest. Does that make it one of the hardest? That makes it one of the hardest. Plus, they're a really good football team. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that combination. Stuff. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty big combination. Um, for for looking at what you guys have accomplished to this point, I actually I've heard so many people talk about the the record even going into the Rams game didn't reflect who this team was, and I think the Rams game seems to reflect more of now that you know two and two and and getting a, a tough win that way. Do you feel like now you're starting to garner more of the respect around the league for what you have? Like you guys knew what you had in this building. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like other people? And, are and really, to see it? we 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 talk about that. Just keep it here. You know, don't listen to the outside noise. The people patting you on the back this week will be stabbing you in the back next week. So <laughs> it's, it's, that's, that's the nature of the beast. So that's true. just go about coming to work Wednesday and getting Wednesday's work done, whether you win or lose. What kind of pressure do you see the Saints being able to get defensively, and how have you seen Jameis handle that in, in weeks already to this point? He's handled it pretty well. He's moving around in the pocket really well. Uh, he did take another sack. I like to just throw the ball away sometimes. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but right now he's still trying to make plays all the time. And, but Cam Jordan, he's a special cat. Davenport, they've got good pass rushers. I don't know if, if, if Sheldon will be back in the middle, but they have good blitzers also, really good linebacker blitzers. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a test. 
And how important was it to see Matt Gay get a, a bounce back week? That was huge. I mean, we've got all the confidence in the world, Matt. And, uh, you know, that, that, that 57 yard or whatever it was, uh, you know, I, I didn't blink. I mean, I'd seen him make it in pregame. So yeah. just go on out there and, and uh, we've, got, we've got a lot of confidence. He's going to have a great career. One kick will not define his career. Yep, that's awesome. That's great to hear. I love this. We get a chance to talk a little bit about your family foundation, and you guys have an event coming up. So tell us, first of all, about the foundation and what it is that you guys are really passionate about. Yeah, our Arians Family Foundation was formed. My wife was a court-appointed special advocate at CASA here in Florida called Guardian Litems. And um, that's the positive person in, in a child's life who is in the foster system through no fault of their own, either abuse or neglect. And, and they're, they're that one person that is their, that's their voice. It's the kid's voice. And um, I've watched her save these kids one at a time for so many years. Once we got the platform to raise more awareness, raise more money, and uh, just help our kids, they're our future. Yeah, that's huge. And so you guys have your actual event coming up, and it's the first one here in Tampa. So you guys have done these other, you know, when you were in Arizona and other places? Yeah, we, we, we did a great number in Arizona and, and Georgia. Uh, golf tournaments, dinners. This is this is a very fun one because it's just dinner. Uh, you get to sit with a coach and a player for an hour and a half and just have their undivided attention and and have a great meal at Ocean Prime and uh, not a lot of speeches. We we all know why we're there and uh, and it's a great it's a great fun night. That's awesome. So tell everybody the the date and how if they want to come, if they want to contribute, all the different things that people out there saying. Hey, you know, is this is this really something that we we want to be a part of? What can we do? Yeah, this it's the Monday night. Um, Going into um, October 21st, 5 p.m. at Ocean Prime. And um, it's right after open date coming back from London. So I'll be ready up and uh, have a great night. Yeah, you'll get a jet-lagged Bruce Arians, <laughs> which is probably an even more honest Bruce Arians than we get now. So there's then, no downside. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's, that's huge. And how great is it to be able to be in a position to have – you mentioned having a platform. Mm -hmm. When did you realize – that you had that chance as a head coach to be able to really make a difference? Well, as an assistant coach, I used to really rally players to help the cause of, of CASA. And then, you know, as soon as we got a head coaching job, we started the foundation. And uh, I just think it's our duty uh, to be a huge part of our community. Uh, we'll have more events coming, uh, bigger ones, and uh, this is the first one. So we're always, we're always really happy to have the first one. And uh, it's just part of our jobs. And how have you already seen Tampa sort of embrace you guys and what you're about? Oh, it's been fantastic. We've gotten, um, you know, great support and uh, look forward to seeing everybody out that night, and October you, 21st. Have you told the, the players ab about this event and, and your cause? And, and oh, this one's easy to get the players some. Yeah, it's, just <laughs> a, it's a free meal. Yeah, that's all it takes. That's all you had to tell them. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much and congratulations again on that big win. Thank you. We're going to have plenty more on Buccaneers Total Access. We're going to get a chance to hear from Director of Athlete Performance, Dr. Greg Skaggs, and Director of Performance Science, David Hamilton. Get a feel for what all this sports science stuff is all about. This is Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. Now more with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips.
Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. We are now joined by Director of Performance Science, David Hamilton. And again, every week we're doing this where the first 30 minutes is with Coach Arians. Second 30 minutes, we have a different assistant coach with us. And uh, Dave, you're the first one that's not a true position coach, like what we think, that we're having people in here that are going to do the sports science stuff. And this is this is a new concept for, for Bucks fans to even kind of understand what it is that you guys do. So I guess first and foremost, first, thank you for joining us, but also just tell everyone a little bit about what your actual role is. Okay, um, it's a pleasure to be here. Let me start by saying that. So the role itself is really about trying to work with all the other departments. We've got the coaches, we've got strength and conditioning, you have medical, you have nutrition. Um, it's trying to, number one, kind of work with those departments so we can deliver the best product we can. Um, and so I guess the way I describe it to people is we're trying to remove subjectivity from performance decisions. We want to take away the guesswork and base what we deliver to the athlete on fact rather than fiction. So nowadays, a lot of that involves technology, um, but as a result, we're starting to gather more and more information on these athletes. We have to still make sure through checks and balances that it still aligns with what the coaches think are good and bad. Um, so the role really is a way for us to make sure that ultimately we have all our athletes available to compete. Um, we want to make sure that our athletes are available to get on the field because if they're not, our chance of win winning obviously declines. Um, another big, big piece to it is more what we would call the sports science stuff now. So we want to make sure that we can manage our athletes through the week. They go through a lot of work as it relates to stuff on the field and off the field. And we really need to start to understand how hard do they work and then what's the impact of that work on their ability to perform at the weekend. And so the more we can get information around that, we're in a much better decision to help coaches in regards to training load, volume, time on feet, um, and some other pieces that we might look at around travel as well. That's huge. And yeah, travel is a big part of why we had you on this week because uh, Coach in his show last week was talking about how when we asked him what's the biggest factor going to be in the team coming out of this crazy five-game road stretch doing well, and he said sports science. So let's talk specifically with all these road trips. How does that change um, things for the players and what you guys are going to need to do and, and how would it be different than just a five-game home stretch? I think the first thing we would do is probably not worry about this massive storm of challenge that we've kind of got ahead of us and look at it week by week. So every week is going to bring about a different challenge that we need to address. Um, so obviously this week we had to go to the west coast. Um, in that regard you're going east to west is the way that we would look at it from a kind of an athlete preparation standpoint and we know for every hour that you travel east to west you need a half day to recover. But when you go west to east, which will be us going transatlantic to London, for every hour change there, you need a day. Wow. So all of a sudden now, that kind of puts a slightly different demand on the way we train um, and the way we prepare. So there's a number of things that we would do. And I would, again, we kind of break it down into three pieces. I'd be thinking, number one, within the week, we have to manage our athletes. So we need to know, do we need to offer these guys recovery within the week? And we can't do that unless we understand their thresholds of work. So it's no good just guessing and throwing recovery at people because actually to have the best success through the season, we want our athletes to adapt through the season. And if we're constantly trying to recover you, where's the adaptation taking place? You're constantly taking them back to baseline. We train them so we create a stimulus so that our athletes get better. But recovery does the opposite. It kind of pulls you back to your baseline and stops all the adaptation. So. With that in mind, in the week, we want to get as much as we can out the athlete. 
that would be phase one. So we look at, again, the work in the field, the work off the field. We use the numbers that we collect in regards to how far they run, how many times they accelerate and decelerate. Um, and we look at some other metrics around um, neuromuscular fatigue or wellness data. And using those kind of that information piece together, we make better decisions. That's huge. Where, yeah, whether it's a conversation with a coach about reps that the athlete might want to have, whether it's a conversation as a bigger coach and staff around whether we want the, the thermal stress of going outside today versus going indoor to help manage the load. So that's kind of in week. And then you've got two other pieces, which would be pre-game, so kind of the travel, and then post-game. So with the pre-game, we're looking at where are we going to, what can we do to control the schedule? Are we getting there so athletes can nap? What's our food schedule, working with nutrition? Um, we want to make sure that we're not shoehorning everything into when we arrive because a busy schedule and a big kind of cognitive load for athletes where they're meeting a lot and they've got to kind of get places quickly, that comes at also a physiological stress. So we've got to try and schedule correctly. Um, we'll look at the flight itself and what can we do for the athletes to help with that. So we'll use medically graded compression, which is a way of basically helping the athletes get good f blood flow in a situation on a plane where typically you occlude at the hip and the knee, which restricts blood flow, and the blood pools in the legs. So you get off the flight, you have swelling, your legs don't feel great. We want to reduce that as much as we can, and we might use medically graded compression for that. So we have the athletes come in the office, we scan them individually, um, and then we have these stockings will arrive a week later, and the guys can wear them and get good compression. We'll supplement that with fireflies, which is an electrical signal device that we'll throw behind the back of the knee, stimulates perineal nerve, and creates this active calf pump. So now they sit on a plane, but actually they get off the plane like they've been active, which is exactly what we want. Wow. So they feel more recovered. Um, <clears throat> and then on the back end of that, we'll look at what do they do in the game? So different position groups have different physiological stresses on the game. Some are high contact. Some are guys that do a lot of high speed running. Um, and then you can have another group that just do a lot of volume. Well, we know that physiologically, each of those demands require different recovery modality. So throwing ice bath at everyone is not necessarily the best way to go. So we'll look at who has high contact, who has high volume, who does high speed, and then at the end of the game, we'll send the guys out a message with a very bespoke recovery package for the next 72 hours that they can start to get their head around and start to recover as effectively as they can. So that's a long-winded answer. Wow, but incredible. for the next five weeks, we'll just look at each week individually and work out how do we maximize uh, our bang for our buck with the athlete. That's incredible. We're talking to Buccaneers Director of Performance Science, David Hamilton. So um, you mentioned the technology, and I mean, you, a lot of data, that all of what you just said is very dependent upon knowing the data of, of each individual athlete. What are some of the things that you guys use to get that data? So we've got a couple of key pieces. So on the field, we use Catapult, which is a GPS system. So that means there's satellites up in the sky. This unit sits between the shoulder blades, and we're able to identify where the athlete is on the field. And then through that satellite system, we know over time where they move to, and we're able to then work out how far they run, how fast they run, the acceleration, deceleration piece that I spoke about. Within the unit, again, is a secondary layer of what we call a triaxial accelerometer. So that's kind of telling us the forces that the athlete is going through um, whenever they move. So based on that information, we can get a little bit more um, detail around the type of work that they might be doing. We also use a Nord board, which is um, a device where the athletes will come in when they're in a lift and we'll look at their hamstring strength. We want to kind of do as much as we can to 
reduce the risk of injury. So if we can identify some imbalances within our athletes that we think may predispose them to an injury, we want to try and reduce that as much as we can. So therefore, we'll individually prescribe to make those corrections for the athlete. Uh, we use a force plate, it's the same principle. Um, it's a bi-plate, so it's basically two plates together. So when the athlete does any jumping, hopping, landing, we can see whether they've started to develop an imbalance left and right leg. And that's kind of natural with the demands of their position as well. No one is perfectly symmetrical. So we just want to look at the trends over time or through a season to see if things start to develop for the athlete and then what can we do to help them, to help manage them to reduce that. Um, they're probably the biggest ones right now that we're using. The other piece we have is an AMS system where every other day we'll get some other kind of wellness type questions from the athletes. So we'll ask them how well they've been sleeping. We'll get an idea of hydration that we do as well, which is two or three times a week. Um, we'll get an idea of muscle soreness. We'll get an idea of general mood and motivation. And, and based on all that information, we kind of pull it together to start to work out are there trends with these athletes that we're starting to see week to week? That's incredible. Um, how about if you take us through with one player, if you were to pick you know, just a certain player, what your interaction would, with them would be like over the course of a week and what all might happen based on different things that could have occurred during the game, during practice, that, that would change how you have them operating that week? Yeah, I could probably do it generically without... Yeah, we don't need to pick a specific, yeah, specific a, guy. A particular athlete, but let's say, so today they've come in um, at the end of a game, we go through all of the game data that we've just seen from Next Generation Stats, which is provided by the NFL. We compare it to our GPS data in the week. So we kind of take their data, we clean it up, and we make it look the same as ours. From there, we start to get an idea of whether this was, for them, relatively compared to a normal game. Was this a hard game? Was it an easier game? And immediately we're in a situation to decide, okay, where did they need to be in the next 24, 48 hours with their workload? Um, so they're either going to do additional stuff today or they're going to get some, the, some more kind of active or passive recovery modalities. Then we won't see them again till Wednesday. When they come in on Wednesday, we'll get a, they'll come in for a lift. We'll get the jump data. So we'll see where they are from a speed power standpoint. How have they recovered now in the last 48, 72 hours? We'll get a wellness marker. So we'll ask them three questions about how well they've slept. I've just realized I'm doing this. I'm telling everybody all the secrets. All the secrets. All the secrets. It's all right. I don't think the other teams listen to this. It's okay. You know, we'd like to think we're a big deal, but I don't know that other teams are really using us for recon. It's not that big a secret anyway. So we get all the wellness stuff, and we'll look at their sleep quality, their mood, um, and muscle soreness. Then we'll start to get all the GPS data that we'll start to collect now on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in training, and we'll start to see how they manage that work. We'll next see them again on Friday or Saturday. We'll get the jump data again. We'll get the wellness again. So now we have an immediate snapshot of how has the athlete changed in those markers during two or three days' exposure of training. And then we go into the game week where we have another 20, sorry, the game where we have another 24 hours to do whatever we think we can do to put the athlete in the best place to be fresh for game day. That is incredible. This has been so enlightening and fascinating. Thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. No problem. That's awesome. We still have plenty more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access. We're going to be joined actually by Director of Athlete Performance, Dr. Greg Skaggs, to continue this awesome conversation about all of the sports science things that the team is doing now. Again, we still have plenty more coming up. Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health. We'll be back. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks insider Casey Phillips.
Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. Earlier we had head coach Bruce Arians on, and then we also had our director of performance science, David Hamilton. And now we are joined by director of athlete performance, Dr. Greg Skaggs. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. This is our sports science show because last week Bruce told us that he felt like sports science was going to be the biggest thing that helped with this long stretch of road games. And so we figured for everybody out there that was going sports science, what is that, that we would help them out. So tell us first of all a little bit about how you got to this job, what your, your kind of past roles were, and then what your role is here. Sure. Uh, so I initially trained to be a family physician, and uh, then I decided that I wanted to work with athletes. So I did a fellowship in sports medicine. And initially, I went into private practice and, and worked with ath athletes in private practice. Uh, and then eventually, I was recruited by the University of Oregon. And so then I worked at the University of Oregon for 13 years full time as a director there, helped them build a performance team, a performance center, um, and then got recruited to start looking at different professional teams. Initially, it was actually the Philadelphia 76ers that interviewed me. And that led to other professional teams thinking about the way they do things, and uh, and then Tampa Bay called, and here I am. I heard you also got to make trips to NASA and like Australia and all sorts of crazy places to help build that. What were some of the things yeah. that you learned in, in all that recon work? You no, know, it's interesting because it was at a time frame, say eight years ago. Uh, Phil Knight uh, graciously decided to, that he was interested in this with Chip Kelly, and uh, you know the question is what goes into a performance center, and what you, what we just really found traveling around the United States is that we went to places like Stanford and different high-level universities that had quote-unquote performance centers. And what they really were were uh, research laboratories. So they were uh, to help PhDs uh, do research on ACL tears. And they really weren't centers that were doing an intervention with a team. Uh, so it was all research-based. So we actually had to go outside the United States to find a real true performance center where they were working with a professional team. And that, that's a very strong uh, pursuit uh, in Australian rules football. There's a lot of more developed centers outside the United States. So that led us to go to a whole bunch of different places. That's really interesting. And you are getting a chance to sort of build the, the team here. And, and this whole sports science uh, unit that you guys have here is, is new this season and new with the, the Bruce Arians regime. So overall, what, what did Coach and Jason and some of the other people in the organization say about why they wanted to invest in this and what they were hoping to get out of you guys? Well, I think the real push is to build a system such that you can individualize uh, the way you're training and taking care of athletes. You know, football is such a diverse, interesting sport in that each position, the people are doing such different tasks in terms of, uh, you know, what do you need to be able to perform as an offensive lineman versus a wide receiver versus a DB. So to be able to break that down in a very objective way and even within, uh, let's say, one position group, uh, you have to then uh, take in the fact that these individuals are oftentimes uh, have very different strengths and weaknesses. So you'll find that you have a, a one player that has a really difficult past medical history that, that puts them at risk for certain injuries. And, and so you obviously want to modify the way you're training that athlete. And so to basically build a team of people that can objectively make measurements of their training and conditioning, as well as their nutrition, make goals for them, train them to the highest level, but then keep them underneath kind of this red line of where you'll cross it and, and put them at risk for either exacerbation of a previous injury 
or a new kind of overuse injury is kind of the goal. So really to try to break down the sport and, and try to do the best we can training each individual. So tell us about the communication uh, between the different departments that all are regarding the, the health and safety of the players. Because, I mean, you have a bunch of different departments that all have a hand in this. So how do decisions get made? How do you guys all work with each other? And that, that really is the key to this whole thing is a, a lot of different pro teams uh, have developed performance teams and they, they have a rehabilitation side or a medical side. They have strength and conditioning. Uh, they've got somebody who's called a sports scientist and, and, and then another person called a nutritionist. And the key is to keep that from being, becoming silos. And so all these different people are collecting objective measurements mm -hmm. and you've got to build a, a system of communication such that that information is getting shared on a daily basis. So uh, we've been able to work with uh, a software company to build an information platform that we can have dashboards for each individual athlete, populate that information where we all have access to it. And then typically it also leads to uh, you know, daily kind of huddle ups uh, after practice is over, after we've all had a chance to look at each other's data to say, okay, let's talk about tomorrow. The other key to this plan is once the performance team has had a chance to get together and come up with a consensus about what do they think each athlete or which, what position groups need things tweaked for tomorrow, that you then have a coaching staff that, that is uh, willing to listen to that and actually make changes. Because I've been in other places and, and know people who are in other places where you can have the greatest system in the world, but if the coach is kind of ingrained and just like, no, we're doing it my way, you know, and not willing to change things. Yes, yeah, so you've really got to have the coach buy-in. 100%. Yeah, we're talking to Director of Athlete Performance, Dr. Greg Skaggs. Uh, I think that the first a lot of our fans heard about you guys was in training camp for some people who came out to an indoor practice and expected some nice, cool AC and uh, did, did not experience that. And basically everybody said, well, blame the sports science people. So I figured I'd give you a chance to explain for any of those people that wondered why it was, you know, 87 degrees and humid in, in the indoor for those. Well, sure. I mean, we, we live in such a, a warm, humid environment uh, that we know we're going to play games in that. When we saw the practice schedule for camp, there was a lot of those practices that were already kind of penciled in for four o'clock. And as everybody knows who lives here, it rains a lot at four o'clock. And so if there's lightning that pushes us inside, and if we just left that at 70 degrees and we practiced at 70 degrees, it'd be really comfortable for everybody. And, and actually there would be a slight benefit of you can push everybody a little bit harder if it's a more comfortable environment. But then what you don't get is you don't get acclimatization to be having your body used to that warm environment. There's a lot of physiological changes when you expose the body to exercising in the heat. Those changes you actually hold on to for a while. So once we knew that we needed about three weeks of some exposure to warm weather, we talked to Bruce about dialing up the temperature and making it, depending on the humidity, we'd go measure the humidity in there each morning to try to figure about what ballpark temperature we'd shoot for. And it's, it's kind of an, a best guess what you're trying to do is to get the average athlete on your team to be able to get their body temperature up into the 100, 101 temperature range. And we know that's about where all these physio good physiological changes happen. I mean, obviously, you don't want to overshoot the number and, and overheat guys. But once you, uh, once you get three weeks of climatization, now we can, we've got an advantage. We've had all these physiological benefits. Actually, right now, what we we're talking about is the challenge to keep that 
you know, we're going to go to London, it's not going to be hot. We're going to play indoor games, it's not going to be hot. You can't just say, oh, well, we're not going to play in the heat, so now we're going to stop doing that. We know that we are going to come back here in October, November. It still can be hot here, and so we don't want to lose that. So we still have to sprinkle in, you know, some, some warm weather. So you may see that facility get heated up again. That's so funny. And, I mean, you talked about the average athlete's body temperature, and I, I have to imagine that the idea of an average athlete on the team is hard because you talk about how different the positions are. You have a Scotty yeah. Miller and you have a Donovan Smith. Correct. I have to imagine that during a workout, their body temperatures might be a bit different. You're right. That's why you're just kind of splitting the difference. You, you can't really, the big guys are going to heat up a lot quicker. So you're just trying to create a safe environment for everybody, but one where you get most of the guys warmed up. So for you, what is your big thing that you're doing during practice or during a game? Uh, quite honestly, during practice and during a game, I'm not doing a lot other than because I'm not a practicing physician. So I'm, I'm an administrator making sure that everybody is doing their jobs appropriately. And I think that I've been fortunate the people we've hired are, are excellent and uh, they're doing a great job. Uh, so I'm really just trying to look at systems and how people do their job and look for opportunities for improvement. That's great. How have you already seen um, benefits of what you guys have been implementing here? I mean, I know we're you know still incredibly early on in this whole process, but whether it's the players' actual numbers, data, things like that? Or have you seen um, some mental things as far as players with buy-in to what you guys are wanting to do? How have you already seen everybody sort of receive it and, and have some positive benefits? I definitely think there's already been some objective improvements. Uh, I mean, if you look at the way we rehabilitate injured athletes now, so we had a few soft tissue injuries during July and August. And if you look at the way those athletes got rehabilitated, and objectively had return to play uh, procedures for them. So we can see that, oh, he's a linebacker. We know what a linebacker does. And we know what the demands of that position are. In fact, we know what that specific athlete looks like in a game in terms of the volume of running, how much high speed running, how much they have to accelerate right and left. We know what that profile looks like. And so as they make their way out of the training room back into the into uh, outside, having to do some running, we can monitor that until we know that they're accumulating similar game loads and similar speeds and accelerations such that we can feel good about letting them return to play. And it's not just a subjective, well, how do you feel? Do you feel 80%? You feel like you can go? You know, kind of that was the old school way of doing it. Doing it this more objective way, you can feel much better about people returning safely and not having a recurrent injury. And so far, that's borne out to be true. We're not that far through the season, but comparing it to last year, we're doing better in terms of overall preventable injuries. You know, you can't really measure things that involve collisions. It's going to be hard to prevent those kinds of injuries. But in terms of preventable injuries and, and uh, lost practice time, et cetera, I think we're doing good. That's awesome. All right, we still have one more segment coming up. This is Buccaneers Total Access with Director of Athlete Performance, Dr. Greg Skaggs, brought to you by Advent Health. We'll be back. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians now continues. Brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. We are here with Director of Athlete Performance, Dr. Greg Skaggs. This is our final segment here. We're talking a lot about the sports science idea. And how have you seen the perception of what you guys do change in recent years and, and the buy-in? You talked about how more and more teams are starting to build departments like what you guys have. How, how has this mindset evolved over the last few years? The average sports fan probably hears about it a lot on ESPN now. That you know, that I've heard commentators now talk about load management. That's like not an unfamiliar term, mm -hmm. 
Uh, I think you hear about it more in the NBA than any other place just because it's so critical to keep that one star player healthy. But every year, I think more and more you hear about managing athlete uh, practice time, right. the amount of demand on their body. You know, it is relatively new uh, in football, and, and that is really one of the keys to having a successful program is having time to spend with the individual athletes to show them their data, to show them that the things that we're having them, because it's all, we're asking for their time. I mean, this all takes extra time out of their day. So you've, it's critical to help them understand the why behind we're doing it. And at the end of the day, it's really to try to keep them healthy and productive. So once they understand that this isn't about the GM trying to figure out if they're getting older and slower, right. it's about helping them understand that we're trying to uh, get them to practice in such a way they can maximize their performance, but yet keep them as healthy as possible. So in the end, it, it helps their pocketbook. Yeah, which everybody's, <laughs> I'm sure, a big fan of. Um, what is the difference in terms of preparing a guy for a game versus the recovery side, either from a game or from an injury, the, the different things that you guys do for the sort of pre and post with a player? There are Those are kind of two different pieces. From a prevention standpoint, there's a lot of things that a lot of it has to do with their previous medical history and profiling athletes for what are they at risk at, not only from their medical history, but also the positions they play. So there's a bunch of metrics that we measure out of practice and out of the training room uh, to see what can we do. A, for instance, would be if you've had a previous history of a hamstring injury, we know that we need to expose you to some high-speed running at least once a week. So if you don't hit at least 90% of your maximal speed over a seven-day period, we know that's a significant risk factor for having a hamstring injury. So our platform's set up such that we get red flags when guys have gone five days, six days without one of those uh, high-speed days of practice. So then we can hold, if they didn't hit it in practice, because we can watch live numbers, then we can hold them out actually after practice and do some extra running. Oh, I'm sure they love you guys to, for that. To yeah. make sure that they hit that high speed number. Uh, the recovery piece is, uh, it, we also profile that depending on what the game took out of them. Uh, so did they do a lot of uh, long distance running? Did they, did they uh, how much did they play? So depending on, the different factors we measured for the game would help dictate things like, do we think they would benefit from an ice bath? Do, you know, wearing compression hose, you know, what sort of reco active recovery they need to do the next day, foam rolling, et cetera. We're talking to Director of Athlete Performance, Dr. Greg Skaggs. So has there been anything where when you've shown a player some data or told them what you thought you should do that you've been able to sort of change guys' minds about or that they didn't seem to expect or even know about themselves or about the game that they play? You know, it's interesting. Most guys are pretty accurate in knowing what they did. So it's, it's not that common that we tell somebody, you know, oh, you did, you ran two and a half miles today, you know, in practice. They feel that. The thing that I think is they get excited about is comparing themselves to both themselves and did I beat my best time? Or, uh, or their position group. They're a very competitive group. Yeah. You know, when we have a leaderboard and we have different metrics we're measuring, they're very excited to beat each other. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> that That's a good strategy, I'm sure, to get them even more bought into the data is like, hey, this is just one more way for you to trash talk with your teammates, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I like that. Um, 
How about the idea of how much technology has changed what you guys have been able to do? Because again, teams have been monitoring health for a long time, but what has that changed for you guys? I mean, there's been a ton of different things that have changed and they continue to evolve in terms of what pieces of technology you invest in. I would say one of the keys is kind of only getting invested in the things that you can measure and then actually make a meaningful change. Uh, one of the important things about this book of business is not getting caught up in the newest technology when it results in collecting data for the sake of data and not really making a meaningful change. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was really interesting and we appreciate everything you guys are doing for the team here. Thank you. That's awesome. And thanks to all of you for being with us this week. We enjoyed having head coach Bruce Arians on. We also had director of athlete performance, Dr. Greg Skaggs, and director of performance science, David Hamilton. And all of our shows we also put on our website later if you missed any of that and want to hear it. But we'll be back here next week. This is Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians has been brought to you by Advent Health. With the support of world-class expertise and whole-person care, it's time to feel whole with Advent Health. To learn more, visit AdventHealth.com. This is Tampa Bay's Sports Radio, 95.3 WDAE and AM620 St. Petersburg. Home of the best box coverage.